wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading blind and unheeding dying for me oh how I love him Savior and friend how can my praises ever find in through years unnumbered on heaven's shore my tongue shall praise him forevermore blessed Precious Redeemer, seems how I see Him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, for me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace and mercy this very hour, thanking you for being the great God that you are, the one that loves us, who gave his son for us, who continually is long-suffering toward us and patient and kind, the one who extends mercy to us on a regular basis, the one who truly knows and has shown us what love really is. Our Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence, we recognize that uh, we don't always live up to your standards. And we ask that you would forgive us of our shortcomings, and not only that, but help us to forgive those that trespass against us. Our Heavenly Father, we continue to pray for those who have been numbered here today, as Don has mentioned, the ones that you know so capably of who they are. You know the very hairs on their head. We pray for their health. We pray for their improvement. We pray for the families that have lost loved ones. We pray that you will continually be with them and bless them. We pray for Jonathan as he's about to go into a foreign land, and we pray that you'll be with him and give him safety to their, uh, his destination and safety back and help his work to be profitable. Our Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence, we ask that you would continually help us to deal with the secret things that the devil tries to place upon us. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And likewise, help us to love our brethren, our neighbor, as ourself. And help us to learn how to truly love ourselves. For if we don't love ourselves, how can we love you and our neighbor? Heavenly Father, we pray that you will teach us and help us to always have a forgiving spirit. 
Help us to love our brethren. Help us to not be judgmental of our brethren. You tell us that who are we to judge another man's servant? And oftentimes as we get into living this life for you, we recognize that we will be victims of being judged. And we pray that you will help us not to give way to despising those that judge us. But help us to love our enemies and bless those that curse us and do good to those who despitefully use us and say all manner of evil against us. For you have taught us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll help us to grow in goodness, that you'll help us to grow in knowledge, and that you'll help us to grow in self-control and patience with one another. Help us to grow in godliness and brotherly kindness and, and love. For if these things are in us, you tell us that we shall never be barren or unfruitful. But you also tell us that we who lack these things are short-sighted even unto blindness and has forgotten that we have been cleansed from our past sins. Help us to never forget that at one time we were lost and helplessly and hopelessly lost without salvation. Help us to never forget that once we were without you. Help us to grow in these avenues without becoming self-righteous. Help us to control our tongues. Help us to not speak evil among each other. We live in a society, our Heavenly Father, that you can go on the Savannah Topics and you can go on Facebook and you can go in the newspaper and you can go all manner of places and you can hear evil spoken of, of other people. Help us to be people that guard our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking guile or hypocrisy. Help us to truly grow and help us to keep our eyes from evil, as we've talked about Wednesday night in our men's class. Help us to keep our thoughts pure and help us to be people that grow in, in our heart because we know that you want us to have a pure heart. Help us to be more holy. Help us to be people that are a light to this world when it seems so much that evil is all around us. Help us to trust in you and love one another and grow toward heaven. Help us to lay aside every sin and every weight that so easily ensnares us and let us run with patience the race that's been set before us. Help us to look unto you, the author and finisher of our salvation, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and suffered the shame and now is sitting down at the right hand of God. Help us to be people that keep the main thing the main thing. Help us to, to grow as you would have us to grow and to be the example that you want us to be. Please forgive us when we have fallen short of that great notable task that you've given us. For we know that we are people that struggle from day to day. We're sheep that sometimes lose our way. But help us to grow in your spirit and in the truth that heaven will be our eternal home. Help us to join with one another and be a lie to this community and a lie to the world. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done. And give us wisdom 
to see the things you want us to see and to do the things you want us to do. Help us to be people that know when to act and help us to be people who know when to refrain from acting because the battle belongs to you. Help us to always go about doing good that one day we can enter the heaven that's prepared for us, the mansions that have been prepared for us, and live eternally praising your name. For truly you are the great I am. All these things we pray in Jesus Christ, your beloved Son's name. Amen. If you need your songbook, you can turn to number 985. 985, we'll sing uh, this song before Jim comes and brings the lesson this evening. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God will lead us to that blessed promised land. But He'll guide us with His eye, and we'll follow till we die. We will understand it better by and by. You know that by and by, when the morning comes, you know that all the saints of God are gathering home and we will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. Temptations, hidden snares often take us unawares and our hearts are made to bleed for some thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, but we'll understand it better by and by. You know that by and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathering home, and we will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. Well, good evening to you this evening. And, uh, okay, we're on there. I want you to turn to the 123rd Psalm, if you will, in your Bibles. I'm going to talk with you for a few moments tonight about living without fear. One of the things that uh, I am probably more aware of than any time in my life is how afraid people are. I don't believe that, that I have ever, I don't know if it's just me picking up on it, but I, I don't believe I've ever lived at a time when I've seen in our country people who are more afraid and more afraid of more things. Um, it, it, it just seems like that we are the richest country on this earth. We have the greatest security of any nation. And yet, constantly, I, I see people who are dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with fear. Charlotte and I had the opportunity to be on a, on a wonderful vacation. We enjoyed it very much. And it was interesting. We were sitting at a table. You know, you had to sign seats to eat dinner. I don't care who I eat with as long as I can have anything I want to eat. Isn't that right? And... Um, but we were, we were sitting with these couples, and, and, and obviously this one guy is from the island of Nan off England. He was, you know, highly intelligent, not smarter than I'll ever be. But he, he, I don't know what he was afraid of. He wouldn't even tell us who he was. He's an author. 
He's written all these books, owns his own company, wouldn't even tell us the name of his company. And, you know, Shirley is one of these 20 question people, you know. But, but I found the secret, though, at setting it dinner tables like that, that if you don't want people to talk to you, just tell them you're a minister and that'll end the conversation. Mm-hmm. Every time we sat and ate with somebody, when we finally got around to they asked me what I did, I said, well, I'm a minister. That was it, buddy. They didn't want to talk about anything after that. So you all keep talking. No fear living. The relationship, you know, a lot of times you find in Scripture, here's uh, in Psalm 23 is the song of ascents. These are the psalms that they, they quoted, they memorized, they sang as they would go up to worship at the temple. And so most of these are very short. You'll notice about eight or ten of these that follow one after another. But look at the relationship that he talks about here. The relationship of a master to a servant. Is, is, the, is, is like our relationship with the Lord. He says, To thee I lift up my eyes, O thou who art enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look at the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he will have mercy upon us. And then notice his plea for mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough contempt. Too long our soul has been sated with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. And so I want to talk about living without fear. Is that how God wants us to live? Does God want us to live with fear? Jesus Christ came to destroy the devil's hold on death. Hebrews chapter 2 beginning verse 14 through 16. (coughs) Excuse me. I got this from a foreign island, I think. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the saying that through death he might destroy him (coughs) who had the power, that is, the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. One of the reasons that Christ came to this earth was to, so that we would not have to be afraid of death. You know, it's amazing how afraid people are of dying. I mean, I'm not really amazed at those who aren't Christians, but it's amazing sometimes how afraid as Christians we are of dying. Can you live without fear? Well, the foundation for living without fear is, is the result of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Notice what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 13. He said, and who is he will harm you? <coughs> well, I'll see if I can do this or not. If we become followers of that which is good, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid for their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. You know, when Peter wrote this, <clears throat> the Jews were against them, trying to persecute them. Thank you very much. Uh, the Romans were against Christians and persecuting them. The pagans were against them. And yet Peter writes them and tells them that it is possible for them to live in a world like that without fear. Now, again, if, if, if 
What is the most important thing in your life? If getting people's approval is the most important thing in your life, then you will develop a fear of losing their approval. And this goes for young people. If the most important thing for you is that people who see you approve of what you do, then you're going to live in fear all of your life that somebody's not going to like what I do or what I say. What a way to live. If making money is the most important thing to you in your life, then you're going to live all of your life being afraid of losing that money or somebody taking it from you. If getting married is the most important thing in your life, then your whole life is going to revolve around that and you're going to be afraid. Number one, you're going to be afraid that that you're not going to find somebody who to marry or you're going to be afraid of losing your spouse. And so the Bible tells us about the danger of, of idolatry. And idolatry always produces fear. When things are the most important, these things are the most important things in your life, then you will live with fear. If they are not the most important thing in your life, and Jesus Christ is in your relationship with him, then you simply don't have to worry about the things that other people worry about. You know, it's like you ask somebody, are, are, are you happy? They're a young person. Well, you know, I, I, I'll be happy when I can go to college or I can graduate from high school or I can drive. You know, I mean, it starts going, well, I'll be happy when I can drive. Well, then I'll be happy when I'm 18. Well, are you happy now? You're 18. Well, no, I'll be happy when I can go to college. Well, are you happy? You're in college now. No, I'm not happy. I'll be happy when I get my degree. Well, you get your degree. Are you happy now? No, no, I'll be happy when I get a job. Well, you got a job. Are you happy now? No, no, I'll be happy when I get married. And so some people spend all of their life, you know, and then they say, oh, I'm going to be happy when I'm retired. And those of you who are retired, if this is the happiest time in your life, raise your hands. Well, we got about five out of there. I hate to disappoint you, you know, but, but it goes, it goes back. If, if, if that's the case, if that's what you're living for, for, then you're going to live with fear all of your life. So the foundation for no fear living, here's an assignment, pray and ask God to help you open your eyes, to see the deeper things in your life that keep you (coughs) from living the abundant life. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, The thief only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. What does that mean? Uh, You know, you're married, I'm married. Sometimes I think that, you know, I I wonder sometimes, does Shirley want me to live? I mean, live, live. Or does Shirley just want me not to die? Okay? It was like, do you really want me to be happy? Do you really want me to have fun? Do you, you know, or do you just want me not to, not to die so I'll, we'll be here together? <coughs> and there's times in your relationship <clears throat> you wonder about. <clears throat> I heard somebody say the other day that he knew a couple were married for, 51 year, for 52 years. In 51 years, they were miserable. And so he asked him, well, why don't you get a divorce? Said, oh, no, we're not divorcing now. They're going to live together for the rest of their lives in spite. One of them waiting for the other one to die first so the other one can get the life insurance money. Well, here's a question. Are, 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 are you, are, what are you living for? Are you living in fear or are you living without fear? Jesus said, I came that you could have life 
and that you could have an abundant life. Well, what does it mean to have an abundant life? You know, if you listen to other people's conversations, you can hear beneath the words that they're saying for the fears that they're, that they're expressing. God wants us to live happy lives because Christians are really the only people who can live without fear. You simply do not have to be afraid. Now, <clears throat> for every fear that you can have in your life, if you will look at the attributes of God, there's a corresponding attribute that will cover that fear. I mean, some people are afraid of failure, some of loneliness, some of rejection, inaccuracy, some of, is God going to take care of me? Some of, you know, they're, they're afraid of commitment or losing commitment, of, of, of losing their health, of losing control, of being found out or being abandoned. Now you take all of those and line them up and then you put the attributes that we know about God. Our God is all loving. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-knowing. Our God is all-righteous. Our God is all-present. And every one of the attributes of God will, will help you quiet the fear. You know, somebody, you know, the old uh, uh, spiritual song, nobody knows the trouble I feel. <clears throat> but what does that song say? Nobody knows but Jesus. Who is he singing that song to? Sing it to the Lord. Why? Because the trouble that he feels... He, he has comfort that God knows. And so he doesn't have to be afraid because God knows. Let me ask you this. What's the most significant thing that happened in your life this week? Now, some of our kids went skiing. How many of you went skiing? Okay, great. Had a good time. They skied on wet ice. Boy, is that fun. But after about four hours, they decided to get off of there because nobody had gotten hurt. Isn't that right? And so they were lucky. Nobody got hurt. But, you know, what's the, in, in your life this week, what, what is the most significant thing that happened in your life this week? Another question. Did you, when was the last time that you realized that God, you experienced God's deliverance and God's protection in your life? When was the last time you remember, you know, I was worried about this and I prayed about this and God answered my prayer and delivered me. When was the last time that happened that you can remember? In fact... Has it happened that you can remember? And I can share with you all kinds of times in my life when you know, God delivered me. God took care of me. God did something that nobody else could do. And he answered my prayers. Well, those who trust in God are happy. You know, one of the most difficult moments in David's life is recorded. What he, what he said about it later is in Psalm 34. Turn there and, and, and write something about this psalm. David was, because of Saul chasing him, trying to kill him, he had to form an alliance with the Philistines. So all of a sudden there he is with the Philistines. And they recognized David as the one who had killed thousands of them. And so here he is, you know, uh, before Abimelech, who's the king... And he's cornered in. Saul's after him. He's lined up with them. They realize who he is. And David is afraid that he's going to be killed. Now who's he going to call on to deliver him? He doesn't have enough men to fight. Even though David's men are incredible fighters. The only thing that he can do, he can do is pretend that he's mad. So David acts like he's crazy. Now, have you ever seen anybody act like they're mad? I don't know what all he did, but it involved a lot of blubbering and slobbering and just crazy carrying on because he didn't know how he was going to get delivered. But somehow in his mind, he realized, 
Abimelech's not going to kill me if he thinks I've lost my mind. Because, you know, if you kill a crazy person, you'll be cursed by the gods. That's what Abimelech believed. So he didn't kill him. In fact, he told him, get him out of here. David was delivered. And he had called upon the Lord to deliver him. Now, read this psalm. I, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. <coughs> he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out. And the Lord heard him. And saved him. Out of the midst of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps. Around those who fear him. And deliver him. What, what do you fear the most. <clears throat> about the future. Do you fear. Making right decisions. You know. A lot of times it's hard to know what to do. Isn't that right? You know, you go for advice. You know, I can remember the times that I would call my mother. And boy, she would tell you in a minute what she thought you ought to do. Or call my brother and he'd tell me in a minute. And now when you call them, sometimes they're like, well, I don't really know what you should do. That's the worst position to be in of all, isn't it? Because if you think you really know what you should do and they're telling you to do otherwise, you can argue with them. But how are you going to argue with somebody that tells you I don't know what you should do? What do you fear most about the future? Right decisions? Facing Satan's temptation? Or, or trusting that God is going to take care of you? And then what promises of God's word come to mind to you when you think about fear? Look at Psalm 145 verse, verse 13. You know, you know, the psalmist says your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. If you believe that about God, no matter what you're facing, you can have peace. Luke chapter 12, I think Wes uh, used this chapter this morning. I can't read it all, so turn there to verses 22 and, and notice 22 through uh, 44. And then notice a couple of thoughts with me about this. I mean, go to the next slide. You know, if you, if you look at this passage, what does Jesus tell us not to do and why? What did Jesus urge us to do and, and, and what will be the result? Next slide, please. Notice, here's what he tells us to do. Notice in verse 22. He, he tells us, do not, he tells us what not to do. Don't worry about your life. So he talks to men. Don't worry about what you're going to eat because that's what men think about all the time. Isn't that right? And then, he, and then he tells women, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Isn't that what women spend most of their time worrying about? So the two things that men and women most often think about in their daily life, the first thing Jesus says is you don't have to worry about those things. Notice down at the bottom of verse 20, 29. And, and don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink. <clears throat> and don't have an anxious mind. Notice verse 32. Do not fear, little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, a pessimist feels bad when he feels good because he knows that he's going to feel worse after he feels better. And sometimes it's possible with those of us who follow the Lord, if we're not careful, we allowed fear to control our lives. When the Lord says, he'll take care of you. Now, skip to the next slide. And the one after that, notice what he tells you 
what he actually tells you to do. You know, in, in, in Luke 12, notice verse 23. Life is more than food and body is more than clothing. So what does he tell you to do? Look at the birds. They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't have storehouses. God feeds them. <clears throat> you know, look at the grass of the field. So he says, look at nature. God made this like he made you. And you know you're the one who's special. So look at all of these things in nature and then think about how much God cares about you and how much he will take care of you if he takes care of those things. What does he tell us to do? Seek the kingdom of God. Serve God. Think about what God wants you to think about. Do what God wants you. And, and it's interesting because here's some verses we don't usually read. Notice verse 33. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags that do not grow old. A treasure in heavens that does not fail. <coughs> where, no, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. Listen, we've buried some people that we really love a lot in just the last few weeks here, haven't we? And you know, it's hard every Sunday when I come to church just to believe they're not going to be here again. It's hard for me to believe that Pam Fondren is not going to be here again. I want to ask you something about Pam for a minute. I want to ask you where Pam's treasure was. Where was Pam Fondren's treasure? Where was it? It wasn't in a house because she didn't have one. It wasn't in a car because she didn't have that good of one. It wasn't in all the money she had because she didn't have money. So what was Pam's treasure? Pam's treasure was in heaven, number one, because that's the one thing she wanted more in this life is to be able to get to heaven. Number two, Pam's treasure was in her friends. In, in, in her family in Christ. And number three, Pam's treasure was in helping children. Now, she didn't do it because she had money, because she didn't have money. I mean, the funniest thing about her funeral was, if you were here, is that she told her friends that when she died, she wanted the dentist paid first because he'd carried her all these years taking care of her teeth where she could look good, you know what I mean? And so that's the first one she wanted paid when that life insurance money came in. But again, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Listen. We all had more money than Pam. We all had a better car than she did. We all had a better house than she did. But let me ask you, who's better off right now? She is. Because that's where her treasure was. All I'm saying is you can spend all your life worrying or you can learn to trust God. And it will make a difference in your life. Well, why does it work? Last slide's there. Our future is good because God uses ordinary people. You know, everybody likes to think they're special, but when you start studying the scripture, God used ordinary people. He never picked the people that everybody thought he would pick. He'd always pick somebody different. You know, he, he uses people that, that deal with fear. He uses people who deal with worry and doubt. But, 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 they are, but, but these are the people who will move ahead and, and do the right thing in spite of their fears. And that's what faith is. <coughs> Pam had all kinds of fears. But it didn't stop her from worshiping. It didn't stop her from serving God. And it certainly didn't stop her from having her home in heaven. For f faith is not the absence of fear. 
Faith is doing the right thing even when you are afraid. And faith is trusting the faithfulness of God to help you through it. And I suggest that applies to everything in your life. Who knew what they were really doing when they got married? You know the story about the little old uh, white-headed man and woman that were coming down the aisle? And that was, you know, they were waiting to get married until they could afford it, you know. You know, who waited to get married until they could afford it, you know? And and then think about this. You you remember how afraid you were when you first got married? You know? Afraid? How how are we going to get by? How are we going to pay the bills? What are we going to live? What are we going to do? What about health insurance? You know, faith. You know, faith in a marriage is the absence of fear. It, it, it's it's moving and doing. Who, who's not afraid of raising kids? You know, you're gonna wait and have children when you're not afraid of being a parent. You know, parenting is something you learn on the job. You can take all the classes you want. I got news for you. When you have one, you're gonna find out about parenting. And so the same thing is true in about our relationship with God. Who waited to be a Christian until they thought, well, you know, I, I think right now I can serve the Lord and do what God wants me to do. Who, who, anybody wait to be a Christian then? I didn't. My deciding to be a Christian was based upon the Lord would have to help me. Well, God uses ordinary people and God can help us to live a life that's free from fear. Listen, here, here's what I want to encourage all of us to do. Look for an opportunity to exercise <clears throat> your faith this week. Exercise your faith. Share it with somebody. Ask God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to, to give you power and strength to do what you know you need to do as a Christian. Whether it's in your home, whether it's in the job, or whether it's in the church. Step out in faith and do the right thing. Do the thing you're afraid to do sometimes. And and then know that God will give you what you need when you get there. Um, You know, the great thing about an education is just that. If you have a good education, your teachers have trained you to know this. That when you get to where you're going, I have taught you and trained you so that you'll know what to do when you get there. You know, man, I trained other Batso Barrett Baxter. I trained under Harvey Floyd, Thomas Warren. Listen, th- those guys live without fear. They were never afraid that somebody's going to discover that God didn't exist or the Bible wasn't the Word of God. They never live with that kind of fear. Why? Because they were firm. <clears throat> what do they tell young men to do? Have courage in young women and have strength. Why? Because if you serve the Lord, when you get there, the Lord will help you get through whatever you've got to face in your life. Notice these passages, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, at the end of the book of Hebrews. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with the things that you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? Notice what Joshua said. Joshua twenty four fifteen. As an old man serving the Lord, all of his compatriots except Caleb are dead. A whole generation has died. These are all young people. What does he say to them? Oh, you need to be afraid because God's liable to kill you off like he did all your parents. It's not what he said. He said, you got a choice to make. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then you choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You can serve the gods back in Egypt, the gods of your fathers. But for me 
in my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a statement of living without fear. And then the final one is in 1 Samuel 6 and verse 7. When Samuel's so worried about what's going to happen to the Israelites. And there's Saul. He had all his hopes in. And Saul has fallen. And he tells him, I've got a king. And he's going to be a great king. And Samuel's wondering what to do. And this is what he tells Samuel. And this is what gives you courage in your heart, young people. This is what he tells Samuel. Don't, don't consider his appearance. Don't look on how tall he is. For I've rejected that guy. The Lord doesn't look at the things that men look at. The Lord, because men look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Why can Christians live with no fear? Because we know our heart is right with God. God knows it. And God is going to help you. Listen, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity of being your minister. And I want to thank you for being Shirley and my family and friends all these years. And I, and I want to tell you something. I just want you to have the best life that you can have. And I'm excited about our young people here. I'm excited about our old people here and everybody in between. And so let's deal with our fears and put them before the Lord. And then let's serve him without having to be afraid. And let's trust God. If you're not a Christian, if you never put Jesus Christ on, listen, the invitation is always open. All that God wants is you. And young people, you've had a lot of fun this week. But if, if in the fun and the devotionals and the time you've had, you've decided to make changes in your, in your life, then you need to make those changes tonight. We want you to come while we stand and while we sing together. When I shall lay my armor by and dwell in peace at home, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. I sought at once my Savior's sign, no more my steps shall roam. With him I'll brave death, chilling tide, and reach my heavenly home. We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. Amen. If you were unable to take the Lord's Supper, um, it's been left prepared out the doors to my right and your left as we uh, sing Camping on Canaan Land. This song is not in our book, uh, so there's not a number to give you. Um, but we'll sing one verse, and if you are unable to take the Lord's Supper this morning, you can exit um, out of the auditorium. <clears throat> I have left the land of bondage with its earthly treasures. I've journeyed to a place where there is love on every hand. 
I've exchanged a land of heartaches for a land of pleasure. I'm camping, I'm camping in Canaan's happy land. Every day I'm camping in the land of Canaan. And with rapture I survey its wondrous beauties grand. Glory, hallelujah. Find the land of promise, I'm camping, I'm camping toward Canaan's happy land. Amen. If you will, um, please be seated. I believe that um, we have a presentation uh, that Albert and Jim may have a part of. So after this, um, we will have a closing song. So hang tight.